Hello and welcome to the 250, the podcast where we draw seedlings from the earth using sheer willpower. I'm Douglas and with me as always is my co-host Jonathan. How are you, Jonathan? I'm wonderful, Douglas. I'm so good. I'm so I'm doing I'm doing amazing. That's good to hear. If this is your first time tuning in on the 250, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time as of January 2020 and we've begun watching them from number 250 through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, thoughts and reactions to the movies within. Today's movie is number 100. And 34, My Neighbor Totoro. After moving to the Japanese countryside with their father, Satsuki and May explore the world of spirits only visible to children. My Neighbor Totoro is written and directed by the ever infamous Hayao Miyazaki. The I think he's what, just regular famous. He's not infamous. What did he do? <laughs> the very Kelly. famous Hayao <laughs> Miyazaki. <laughs> the culture, uh, the, uh, 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 he, uh, people uh, are either here murderer. or there on him, yeah. Hi, <laughs> <Hayao> Miyazaki. <laughs> Train robber. <laughs> <laughs> Neither Douglas up. nor I have watched this film before. No. Which I'm surprised from you. You should Wait. not be surprised from me. I've seen bits of it. I've just never watched it the whole way through. Right. Yeah. Yes, it's it's no surprise coming from you, but I have seen a lot of Studio Ghibli's- And you just skipped this one. Catalogue. Mm. Mm, I just Yeah, I just skipped My Dabba Totoro. I don't know why. It's And fucking having seen it now, I'm even more pissed off that I hadn't jumped <laughs> on it sooner. It's- Okay, so this is very much a film where there's no real, like, you don't have to think too hard about anything that's happening here. It's just a movie. It just feels good. It's an hour and 27 minutes. You watch it. You feel great afterwards. And then <laughs> it's that's that's it. There's, there's nothing too deep about this movie. And I think that's worth saying at the outset because there are probably oh, going to be tell, people don't who Don't tell are- the internet theorists that, Douglas. <laughs> there are going to be people who are looking at it and looking at how high up the list this is. And they're going to be like, yeah, but it's just a, nothing happens in the movie. Like, there's mm. no, nothing, nothing really goes on as far as plot. But I'm also kind of like, does it need to? Can we not yeah. just have, like, cute, good vibes, amazing animation, fucking phenomenal compositions by the lovely Joe Hazaishi, as always? It's, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm reframing my perspective and not trying to look too critically at this <laughs> film because that's not really i think where it shines it shines very much it's just a a little piece that is within studio ghibli's what do you call it not hors d'oeuvre their their oeuvre, oh, their hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> their oeuvre like a little is, like a little snack oh. at a party <laughs> there what is it the o-e-u-v-r-e that however you say that oeuvre. Um, yeah they within their realm of yeah, consciousness within Studio Ghibli do this thing very well, and a lot of the stuff that I see in this, I see not necessarily reiterated or reused, but there's there's certain animations and things like that where I'm like, ah, that that comes up later in what Studio Ghibli does. That's very cute. I like that. So, and it also solidified Studio Ghibli as far as a mascot as well. Totoro is like the mascot. So Mm. hmm. good for them. What do you think? I thought it was great, Douglas. I, like you, I had, I wrote a note about halfway through. I said, I'm actively stopping myself from what does it meaning this yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I think that there's still heaps you can say about it in terms of like why it's so engaging. Mm. Uh, mm. Because it is, yeah, it, it is just sort of a, 
sandbox of like this is a world that you are exploring with these characters type thing and i think there's value to those characters themselves and they they have unique things going on with them and also their type of their situation but it is also just a very nice piece of art for the sake of art yeah which, uh, yeah which is always nice. I don't know. For the first, like, 45 minutes, basically, nothing happens. Like, it's just the kid, Satsuki and May just kind of, like, running around and being scamps and the dad mm. just being bum-fuck adorable. Like, the best dad ever. <laughs> Every single- Like, there, I tell you what. Studio Ghibli, very good at two things. Or Hayao Miyazaki, very good at two things. One, doing families and, like, just the the experience of being a part of a family. Two, female characters, female leads. Fucking impeccably good at understanding the the attentiveness that comes a part of being in adolescence. Like, mm. the, all of the tiny little details about this film are great, and I'll probably go into that more in spoilers. But there's- uh, I don't think we're even going to need spoiler zone for this one, I guess really. Not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y- you know We can just avoid- there's, there's, like, two or three plot points, and we can avoid them quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah. One of the girls notices a acorn amongst like grass through like through looking through a bucket. Like there's a hole in the bottom <laughs> of the bucket, and she's looking through it, and then she's like acorn, and it's like glinting and like shining in the in the grass. And to like to an adult, we would look at that and go, "It's an acorn, cool." But to kids, like fucking the the mind, the imagination is so it's it's so big that to, like that's a diamond in the rough for them. And I love mm. how. Miyazaki constantly, it's always through the lens of Satsuki and Mei. Every, everything that happens is always through their perspective. And that, uh, yeah, that, as I said, attentiveness is, it, it's so present. And I love that. It just brings such a, such a full and bright kind of energy to, to the film. Yeah, I love them both so much. They're, they're absolute <laughs> sweethearts. And the dad, as I said, the dad is fucking just the best you get this feeling i think that you satsuki is going to be your sort of main character and then may really yeah she takes it on her own i feel like you're you're almost quite used to as a film goer seeing a say like a like a you know like a 12 13 year old as like like a teenager as like a protagonist yeah but i think i think i think satsuki actually well i think she's like 10 or something Mm. Something like that, mm. but I, th- but May is like four. She's a baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like a toddler, yeah. And and the film uses her perspective a lot, yeah. As yeah. Uh, it, it, it's that sort of classic, uh, believe in the magic type. Children can only see what's going on type vibe, yeah. which is yeah. Mm. Which is excellent, mm. but mm. Uh, children are seeing more than what we do because we're uh, <laughs> we're conforming and- to capitalism. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've <laughs> been corporatized. Just- I have yeah, to, yeah, I have yeah. to wear Life a button-up shirt every fucking day. Yeah, uh, spray on my sapped- Lynx Africa. <laughs> Sp- oh, you went to Lynx Africa. <laughs> No, I've oh, worn Lynx God. Africa in like fucking like ten, twelve years. Whoa. I did wear Whoa. it. I will admit to wearing it. But I haven't worn that shit. If it's in high school, that's okay. But I thought yeah, I was it was. About it to, was high school. I thought we were about to have like a, a, a real. Chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I gotta tell. I gotta talk to you about I, something, Douglas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have a partner if I was still wearing like <laughs> It's yeah, yeah. Mm. You you've just got this really unique perspective from from May, mm. which is built on throughout the whole experience, and 
the film would sort of not be the same without it because Satsuki still does have this sort of angle of being a lot more, not strong-willed, but a bit, a bit more sure of herself. She has other stuff going on in her life. She's got school and- She's got more responsibility, some more context as, a, as yeah. she's getting older. She's more aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah. Mm. And actually, that's another thing that probably might put some people off of watching this film. And I can fucking- Actually, I don't think anyone who is listening to this podcast or listening to this episode, sorry, has also listened to the Jurassic Park episode. There's probably like maybe two people who are listening to this episode who have also listened to the Jurassic Park episode. But I fucking hear you. I can already fucking, you're, you're like, but you hated the kids in Jurassic Park, Douglas. Why do you like the kids in this film so much? They also cry and they're very like, they could be perceived as annoying. Shut the fuck up. They're not. The Jurassic Park kids are way more annoying and they can put a fucking sock in it. They're- Did I find them annoying? I feel like no, I you didn't, didn't. Find them you didn't have any issues with the Jurassic Park kids. Yeah. Um, weird. But you're you're mean, Douglas. You're mean to children. <laughs> yeah, they could Canceled. shut the fuck up. Cancelled. Um, no, but I, I didn't find the Satsuki or May all that irritating in this. And I think it's their reactions to the situations at hand seem much more genuine and warranted. But I also, I guess, being a kid and seeing like a live Tyrannosaurus Rex, like that's a bit, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of things going on there, like mentally. So <laughs> I, I, I will. <laughs> Probably the trickiest, Douglas, is that when you are doing animation and voice acting, you have complete control yeah, over of, how yeah, the character the acts and sounds. Yeah, true. And I assume true, they true. were acted by adults. That still tends to be- Good question. Douglas pulling the face. I don't believe that. I think they would have been acted by children. Oh, wow. The voice actor who voices uh, Satsuki did stuff for Hunter x Hunter, Death Note, uh, Pokemon, Inuyasha. Wow. She's fucking- Anime. She's got one hell of a- Yeah, anime. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, anime. The anime. <laughs> yeah. Doug said it in uh, audience chair. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball. Oh, run. <laughs> my, my fellow Americans- uh, Baseball. Anime. Uh, anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Noriko Hidaka. Do the maths. I should have done she this. She was born in 1962. Okay, yeah, she would have been 26 <clears throat> at the time of recording. There you go. Sorry, one second. Whoa! She voiced a character in Metal Gear Solid 3. That's sick. Sorry, my fucking the washing machine is doing the jingle. <laughs> Oh, is it doing the- I'm waiting for the jingle to run out. I'm going to put it- I'm going to actually- I'm going to amp up your audio, make it louder so that it really comes through. Metal Gear Solid 3, Douglas. Metal Gear Solid 3. Makes a lot of sense. One Piece. She voiced a character in One Piece. She voiced a character in Inuyasha. She voiced a character in Samurai Champloo. This is Satsuki. Wow. Who's she playing Champloo? She's only in one episode in Samurai Champloo. It's Yatsuha. In yeah, I don't remember the characters Teto of Samurai Champloo well enough to, to do that off the top of my head. Mm. Good show, though, Samurai Champloo. Wait, so what about May? Yeah, let me look at May. But that's the thing. It's like the never work with fucking animals or children rule. <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, wow. You can have- Holy sh- Whoa. Holy shit. shit. Wow. Chica- she was- 60. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, legitimately. Chika Satomoto was born in 1959, so she would have been- she was older. <laughs> 29. Holy shit. Told you. Yeah, she was even Told older. Told you. Wow. Oh, my God. Some of these motherfuckers are really good at throwing their voices. Shit. 
she's still voice acting and she voiced the fucking JoJo character in the JoJo video game. <laughs> All right, we're getting in the... F- we're getting oh, in the anime like, weeds, Douglas. <laughs> Douglas, cool it. All right. <laughs> We're getting very distracted. She's done like 10 bajillion Digimon fucking voices. That's empty. <laughs> Akuban. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, yes. Wow. Maybe that is potentially why you didn't mind it here. It, I was also wondering if it was a matter of perspective because yeah. your mm. these are the characters, whereas they're not the main characters in- in Jurassic Park, Jurassic that's Park. true. Yeah. So they seem like more of, of an annoyance and a hindrance to the, the, the primary thing that's happening in Jurassic yeah. Park. Whereas in Totoro, they are the thing that's happening. So, the, yeah, yeah, they're the movie. Without exactly. them, there is no movie. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's just, just the be, dad sitting in just his- be, Yeah, the dad at the in desk. In his office like, while shit goes on in the background. Doing shit, yeah, yeah. And Totoro's <laughs> just like running around outside doing the, doing the sea dance and mm. <laughs> shit like I that. I love this concept of- uh, I, this is something that's a little hard to sort of know precisely because obviously we don't live in Japan. Uh, mm. But Japan, I did a bit of reading on Shinto, um, and there's more to say about Shinto as well. But it's sort of like the indigenous, um, quote unquote, indigenous uh, belief system, the the local belief system where they have lots of focus on like spirits and ghosts and stuff mm. amongst mm. many other things but Nature. i do wonder if the dad is like a bit weird or or the dad is putting on like a brave face or if the dad is really just like oh sweet there's ghosts in the house i love ghosts yeah the ghosts. i think I would love to do a study on all the father figure characters in Studio Ghibli films because, from what I know, study, I think. the the ones that I've seen. Sorry, isn't there? Isn't there like not very many? No, there are a couple. Spirited okay. Away's dad. There's. I'm thinking um, of Pokemon. Maybe there's. <laughs> yeah, no, fucking none of those guys have <laughs> dads. It's all just there's the mom. One. It's like, see you later, kid. <laughs> the, the Your dad's one, yeah. off at war, I suppose. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. There's. They're so considerate and kind and compassionate, and I wonder what Hayao Miyazaki's family life was like very strongly. Because I wonder whether yeah. that's was it was there a lack of that kind of presence in his family life, or on the vice versa, was there that presence? And then he's like, "Man, I just want everyone to have a dad like my dad." So mm. I hope it's the latter because that's a very genuinely sweet thing to have, and just. Again, all of the- I wouldn't say he's weird. I would just say that he's very controlled and self-aware whenever he's engaging with Satsuki and May. Like, when May comes out of the thing and she's like, I, I swear, I like, I met Totoro, I met, like, the troll. And then Satsuki and the dad are like, I don't know about that- Well, Satsuki's like, I don't know about that, kiddo. And then uh, the dad comes over and he's like, "It's uh, he's like totally here for it." And he's like, "No, you, I, I bet you saw them because that totally makes sense." There's like, this is a forest, and that means that the spirits are here, and that's that's really rare. So, just the way that he he never invalidates their imagination. It, it's it's always supported, reinforced, and encouraged, which I think mm. is a really beautiful thing to see in a family setting. Yeah. They're never like, shut the fuck up. You didn't see no goddamn fat <laughs> raccoon motherfucker. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> Go inside. You really, like, I'm falling back on not what does it meaning with the movie, but it is mm. a very interesting take how a lot of the time something will happen and then there won't 
be evidence for it in the long run and you're like is it in their imagination who knows um Hmm. that's just a theory a game theory (laughs) which is just like it's fine whatever it's 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 cool i'm refusing refusing to break up this lovely experience i i think with the dad thing too analytical on it yeah yeah the family thing i think it's a really nice perspective to never want to make the antagonist of the film or the struggle of the film be interpersonal family drama. Yeah, which they easily could have. Like, the- mm, Let's- Actually, we're going to- Very minor spoilers for My Neighbor Totoro, all right? We're, we're going we're <laughs> to delve into that territory now. It's very obvious. Jonathan and I both recommend this film. Um, yeah. Definitely go check it out. It's only an hour and 27 minutes at the time recording in Australia. It's available on Netflix. So, if you've got that, go watch it there. Um, yeah, uh, very minor spoilers, uh, after this, sound. There you go. I love sound, Douglas. <laughs> Me too. There are now very minor spoilers for my name of Totoro ahead that will spoil the film. When the mother is in hospital, and, like, that's just kind <laughs> of a thing that's, like, there, but it's never really addressed what's wrong, you know? They could yep. have easily made a huge fucking deal of, like- She's sick. She's dying. Which, she's like, got they do a, cancer. They do a little bit at the. <laughs> they do a little bit at the end, but not to the degree that they probably could have. And it's yeah. not so much about the mum by the end of it. It's it still comes back to being about the kids and like, mm. oh, where the fuck is May? Like everyone's like, fucking the bit where they were fishing through the pond and they were like. Is this her sandal? I was getting fucking yeah. memories of murder flashbacks. I was like, oh my god, did she drown in the fucking pod? <laughs> the, Just like I, the, I, I, the, the ear of corn comes like flowing, bobbing up at the surface <laughs> next to the sandal. I would have lost my shit if that was how the movie was <laughs> fucking going to go down. I think the movie is fundamentally, we, we didn't actually say this, but the movie is fundamentally a, a children's movie as well. Yes, like yeah. in the purest right from sense the opening, of the form. Right from the opening, you get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking with this, I'm like, you get this angle with people talking about children's movies and they're like they're like children's movies don't just need to be for don't don't yeah don't just need to be for children like you have a children's yeah. movie that is like enjoyable for parents as well and that is totally an, a, a valid angle and you get that with your Shreks and Shrek 2s and Toy you know, Story Yeah most most like I feel like western animation they'll still there's always an aim. angle usually in Disney stuff as well there's always an angle for the parents yeah. in the audience, yeah. They'll keep it. They'll keep it fun for adults, but they'll do that by having little extra things in there. Usually, whereas- in an auditory sense, I've found not so much in a visual sense. The visual is are uh, very much for the kiddly winks, and then you mean yeah. you mean like uh, like script wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, because we're um, listening. We have context. We have the ability to read into innuendos or double entendres or things like that. Like, we have mm. that world experience to be able to pick up on things like that. But when it comes to a visual sense, we're like, oh, wow, A+, plus, good job. But then when kids see that, they're like, what the- Totoro, big raccoon boy, he's in my garden, I bet. I'm going to go find him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Like, this movie, to me, it didn't feel like it was- making at all a kind of a parallel perspective to keep the parents happy. Yeah, there wasn't any compromise. Yeah, It's like purely a children's film, Mm. but then as an adult, you still super enjoy it. It, 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 I just haven't had a film like that where- I cried like four times. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> over the stupidest shit too. Like it's it it, w- it always came back to a family thing. Usually, like there was it's about uh, family. Yeah, when May. That's the thing about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking don't undermine me. <laughs> it's like Fast and Furious. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, about family. May and Suski driving their uh, Ford Impalas off in uh, different directions <laughs> in a fork road. <laughs> it's like. Um, <laughs> You seen the scene where Carrie Fisher is talking about episode nine? She's like, "It's just about family." Actually, she might be talking about episode eight. And it's like, is it? <laughs> is it Carrie Fisher? Is it? Is it really? She's dead. Is race? Uh, <laughs> May when May comes up to the school and then she's she's looking for some, the granny's there as well and she's like, "We're I'm sorry, like I tried to get her not to come." And then like she's not bawling her eyes out, like screaming, crying, like she does at later points in the film but you can see like the tears are there there's like a little bit of snot like coming out of the nose <laughs> and then she just kind of comes up and just like cuddles Satsuki and I was like stop it's it's just <laughs> tiny little condensed contained moments like that that fucking got me I was like that's mm. so fucking sweet they don't again there's so much restraint in how they manage a lot of the emotion in this film it's always mm. they never play it up too high which I really really like um but well, this is I about family, Douglas. It's always about family. It always comes back to family. It's about family. Shut the fuck up. And that's what makes it so special. So, the I should have talked about this uh, prior to mild spoilers, I guess, but the 2005 Disney version, the English dub, I would, we, oh. <laughs> I'm assuming we both watched the, the yeah. original. Um, I just thought it was worth commenting on the voice cast for oh. the 2005 Disney uh, edition because- from when they started doing all the English dubs, Disney's got that fucking cash, so they just they just kind of splurge out and they just grab all these like real fucking heavy hitters of the mm. of the either acting or the voice acting uh community, bit of both usually more often than not. And they got Dakota Fanning and Elle Fanning to play Satsuki and May. Dakota done? Fanning, primarily for me at the very least, primarily known for her role in Twilight. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Have I seen her in something else? Why does she look so familiar? I don't know. They got Tim Daly to play the dad. Uh, Tim Daly was, I think, nominated for a primetime Emmy for his work in, I want to say, Wings, I'm pretty sure. Oh, no, The Sopranos. He was a, he was a guest well. actor in The Sopranos. Um, cool guy. Does a lot of voice acting stuff for Justice League. I'm pretty sure he voices Superman in some Justice League stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. They got Pat Carroll. Which is also another fucking huge name as far as like voice acting goes. Pat Carroll plays the granny. Um, she voices Ursula in Disney's Little Mermaid. Okay. Um, and has continued to voice Ursula in anything and everything that pops up as a result of the Little Mermaid. And then they got Leah Salonga, who everyone would know as voicing Mulan in Mulan, as well as Jasmine in Aladdin. As well as playing uh, Fontaine in on in the live adaptation of Les Miserables. So live adaptation, the fucking the the there's a recording that was done in 2010, a concert recording of like the best of the best Les Miserables cast, and yeah, she plays Fontaine. Um, <gasps> she's incredible. I don't know fucking, who that is. I love that woman. Lisa I've never seen. I've never seen Les Miserables. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't like Les Miserables. It's three hours of <laughs> not a lot happening, and then the barricade gets built, and then everyone just kind of fucks off. <laughs> Um, I like Les Miserables. I think it's great, but you would find it very boring. Uh, <laughs> and then they got a man that you have heard but never heard of 
Frank Welker. Now, I want everyone to stop. Whatever the fuck you're doing right now, stop it. If you're walking down the street, oh. stop directly in the middle of the <laughs> pathway and just look down at your phone and start Googling Frank Welker. Because I need you to fucking see this shit, how I'm seeing this shit. You need to Google Frank Welker right now. Fuck me. Yeah. Are we looking at the same number on IMDb? 899 acting credits. And that's oh for my fucking- goodness. That's for all kinds of shit. He voiced Garfield in the Nickel in the the Smash Bros. Uh, Nickelodeon game. He voices Scooby Doo. He was the original voice of uh uh fucking Fred in Scooby Doo shit. Uh, he voiced Gremlins. He voices uh things in Shrek. He does like the the sound the 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 the, the, the animal sounds in Shrek. He did the animal sounds in fucking like everything, anything and everything that needs an animal sound. Frank Welker is done. He is oh my goodness. the man for making sounds like that. And he's done, I think, Megatron for Transformers as well. It's like, and his Shockwave. Other- Shockwave. He does like a whole bunch of them because he can warp and pitch his voice in really, really cool ways. But yeah, he, voices, hell. he voices Totoro, obviously, in My Neighbor Totoro. And honestly, like, a fucking- it, it seems like a no-brainer. Did they need to translate- Did they need to localise Totoro's voice <laughs> Totoro. for the English? I feel well, like they got, didn't. When you've got Frank Walker on oh. fucking- uh, Frank Walker. Frank Welker <laughs> on head. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Like, when you know he's right there and you can just call him up and be like, Hey, man, where did you do, do get all fucky with this? This is a big, big king raccoon guy. Watch the mm. original. Can you do that? And he'll be like, Oh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, wild. It's just this guy's insane. crazy. And the the thing is, is that a lot of these a lot of these credits are for TV shows. So yeah. it's not. This isn't him doing. Or is it? Maybe. Maybe I don't know if each episode counts as a credit. I don't think it does. No, they would be condensed. So he's got like multiple episodes of like probably a quarter of the credits are him actually doing like thirteen episodes of something. Yep. And they're usually, it's either, it's either doing like his cool voice pitching stuff that he can do for like Transformers or similar kind of projects, or it's yeah. doing animal sounds. So, mm. yeah. Ugh, it's insane. What? I, I'm so glad I know about Frank Welker now because whenever I hear an animal sound in any fucking form of media now, I'm always going to be like, is that Frank Welker? Is <laughs> that Frank Welker on that? <laughs> He looks like he's doing great. I, Frank Walker in the booth. Yeah, no, nah, he's good he's, for him. He's working. He is still working. He's he's killing it. Sweet fucking bippy off. So yeah, good for him. Um, I sorry, I she wailed that very hard. There, no, no, but no, that's I just okay. wanted to. That's a very interesting cast. Um, and I'll do the same when we do House Moving Castle in a couple of weeks because that also has a very interesting cast as well. Doug, we got twenty five minutes ish into this episode. We haven't mm. talked about animation yet, really. I guess not. Yeah. I, I wonder if- I like uh, when uh, Totoro put the leaf on his head. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Moving on. I, <laughs> all right. And uh, on to you. I, I, please stop me if I'm, like, talking down to you at all here. But I, I, I'm, I'm spending a lot more time studying, like, animation and illustration and stuff like that. So, I feel like I pick up on- You are. I think I currently have more the eye- for some of this stuff, but like mm. the oh, that's right. <clears throat> I got an, I got a recommendation at the end of this. Ooh, um, okay. But like just everything about the animation in this sells these characters because yeah. they feel they have this sense of weight to them. There's like unique 
methods of like movement for everybody yeah the the run cycles of like run cycles the the running animations for each of the characters is so Mm. very ghibli as well like they have they have a particular like height that they hit and then it's like that's how a character (laughs) at that height runs yeah so i was talking earlier about how they use similar kind of animation styles later on down the track may is pretty much one-to-one ponyo you look at ponyo and everything Mm. that is ponyo and it's may like Uh. one-to-one so how she smiles and stuff as well just like the whole facial features of may i'm like that's ponyo ponyo's Ponyo's got that goofy ass little smile as well (laughs) (laughs) she looks like a uh king of the hill character yeah (laughs) (laughs) just Uh, that really like square kind of face yeah yeah there's this great shot of her running through the yard. I think she's chasing the little white Totoro. Yeah, the little mini one. Yeah. And and how she does these, like, tight 90-degree turns and the, the amount of weight that's, like, been prescribed to this character where she- There's, like, a very real feeling momentum to it. And mm. I know that anime is normally really good with- I mean, so is Western animation, largely, but using mm. real- uh, references mm. of like movement to to keep these things looking believable, but like some of this shit, I, I I it must just be immense skill and like understanding of what human these anatomy creatures are like creatures human creatures. Um, <laughs> the so, some of the other like little highlights I had was there's a good one where May is like climbing down the stairs and she does the little like. Hands on the stair, like dismount. Oh, uh, things is that, is that like, where she's, she's the- caught one of the soot things and she's kind of, she's like yeah. wiggling her way down the stairs. Yeah. Which is like, how do you, like, did you actually get your like toddler to, to like go, do right, that? Hands or- together, wriggle down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, there's also just like these touches at the end where Satsuki is on the cat bus. And hmm. May like runs to see her, but Satsuki is looking out the right win- right front window. So Satsuki runs to the right side of the bus and then Satsuki gets out of the bus and the door is on the left of the bus. So she does this like course correction, but she starts running towards her at the window and course corrects back to the door. And it's like this, it's, it's like one of the most natural understated things I've ever seen in mm. animation. It mm. blew my fucking gourd. It was mm. incredible. But then you mm. put that up against things like the scene where they're chanting and, like, bringing the trees the up. The out, yeah. And you watch this, like, growth cycle with these trees and you're like, how the fuck did you conceptualize <laughs> that? Like, In what, when did you even as well, start? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It's incredible. Mm. Like, mm. like I, I was just flabbergasted at it. Mm. Uh and like right at the start, I I wasn't critical, but I was looking at how they do a lot of things with like repeated uh, cells for sort of like actions of like someone I don't know like breathing or talking or whatever. That me looking at that that lasted about two minutes, and then I was yeah. just completely in it. And it was yep. probably throughout, but there is also loads of shit where it's just like this is like every single frame. Although I think they do anime on either twos or threes. Twos. I'm pretty sure it's twos. Yeah. Um, early in, it looks like they're animating on threes. It actually, it's quite. It's mm. Sorry, the early in, literally just being the scene where they're in the car coming in. Mm. It is. Mm-hmm. It is pretty choppy, and it probably depends mm. on what they're doing. Um, True. There's yeah. probably yeah. certain the low action. energy scenes where you can comfortably animate on twos or threes and and have yeah. no issue. Whereas a more dynamic one, you might need more. 
Uh, I'm not certain. Mm. But it was... It, it, I, we, I didn't have this with the other two Ghibli films that we've seen. I mm. I watched the other two Ghibli films and went, like, these are amazing animation. Like, they, the people behind this are clearly super skilled. But I think because... Maybe because there was focus on such little things, uh, such simple things, like just the move. Like, there is not much else going on. Obviously, there's this very imaginative stuff with, like, Cat Bus and Totoro's kind of movement that would be purely off the dome. Cat Bus in particular is, like- Cat Bus is hectic. Like, how do you- Cat Bus, uh, Cat bus alone is five stars for me. Like, just the, the, <laughs> the inclusion of Cat Bus is a, a, an immediate- a plus plus. Yeah, my five star is the wow noise that Cat Bus makes when the door opens up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> very uh very eighties that one. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of sounds like that actually. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but there's almost a Looney Tunes sound effect sometimes of like the like whenever they're running yeah. or something like that. Mm. I think particularly when May is running, when May is kind of in that similar sequence that you were talking about, where she's chasing around the the tinier Totoros. There's a couple of like I I want to say they're Looney Tunes sound effects because that's the only <laughs> thing that I can relate it, it probably, to. As far as context it probably comes. wasn't though. Like there are lots of sound there effects stuff that you that's can like, recognize. Yeah, it's just yeah. They're in like they're in like those um tapes. Or yeah. like like libraries of sound effects that yeah. get used all the time. There's like a particular like thunder sound effect you hear all the time. Oh god, there was a good one. There's a good one that someone said. Like so, I saw that someone was like, "If you see this, if you hear this, you will now hear it everywhere." Thankfully, I've forgotten it. Thank God, <laughs> <laughs> um, because because like how life ruining. But yeah, <laughs> but this is like early Ghibli, and it's like. Mm. Fairly early in Disney as well, so I think maybe yeah. there isn't heaps of crossover with that. I'm not mm. sure. Mm. Um, I'd be mm. I, I'd be surprised if they were sort of drawing from the same palette. Mm. Yeah, there's also like Ran also has the. There's not an issue. Ran has the same situation where the they use all these Japanese instruments, these drums and mm. percussion instruments as like sound effects that that once again are sort of ubiquitous these Tie these days. You into, hear them, yeah. you hear them all over the place. I think there is a mm. bit of yeah. There's definitely actually there's much more synth. I'm not sure that is like maybe the use of like so, sort of folkier instruments, Japanese folkier instruments. But the track where it's like, do, 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 do. Oh, do, yeah, do, the do, synth do, one. That's like mm. this very 80s synth. Yeah. Uh, Which reminded me a lot of Castle in the Sky. Um, yeah. Or um, Nausicaa. Nausicaa probably more so. There would have been, I think there were some more synthy kind of elements in Nausicaa. But yes, uh, when I... That particular song came on. I was like, "Oh, Joe, we're busting out the synth kit today." <laughs> Good wow, on wow, wow! And it's just, it's it's such like an '80s synth vibe. Like mm, I think, I think, mm. and it's perfect. Like for the visual as well, it's perfect. The mm. all the little soot guys drifted off up towards the tree. It's it's really pretty. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's called it, a huge tree in the Sukumori uh, forest. I believe is the track. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, sorry, I thought we started talking about the actual tree there for a second there. Mm. Uh. Yeah, we're talking about right. huge trees, Douglas. Uh, huge trees. This bit of a fun discussion point is, and 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 I'm not going to dig in too deep to this because we we you know I, I not and I, and I also mentioned it previously the the integration with sort of like Shinto beliefs, mm-hmm. um, the sort of populist not populist like just beliefs of the people. It's not like an organized religion, and 
me, I did some reading into this because, for example, the tree has a rope and then these yeah, like zigzag ribbons. Mm. And I looked them up. Mm-hmm. I've actually forgotten what they were called, but they are these sort of like banners that you use to represent holy things in the sort of Shinto belief. Um, oh. I also believe it's the inspiration for Pikachu's tail because I think they called a lightning oh. flag. Um, let's, there let's you fucking like- go. If that's true, that's fucking hectic. Yeah, it's it's called a Shida. Shida. Mm. Shida. It's a lightning wand. If you look it up on Wikipedia, the specific one they show, it like gets wider at the base and you're like, hmm. That looks like a Pikachu That's to me. That's Pikachu, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that might be Pikachu. <laughs> there, there's been discussion, there's been interviews with Miyazaki about whether the film is about Shinto. And he mm-hmm. he says that he doesn't want to associate it with religion. He isn't a religious person himself. Yep. Um, it is interesting, though. And I mean, this is all based on like a- think piece you know this was just on some article i found online someone their response to that was the fact that like he calls himself an animist which is sort of and this this is throughout all of his work it basically just means that your spiritual beliefs are just in the the way of nature you know of the natural cycle of things and keeping nature untouched and things like that. And obviously that's yeah, a huge- okay. Yeah, that's um, such a big part of every fucking Ghibli film. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big Nausicaa. That's basically the entirety of- That's Nausicaa, that's Ponyo, that's Mononoke, that's Castle in the Sky. That's, yeah, yeah. literally every <laughs> single fucking film. Yeah. You do get some discussion about that because from what I can tell, animism also sort of underpins Shinto. Like it is- uh-huh. It is not. It's not a religion about. Um, he is a cool god doing cool stuff. It's like it's all about the spirit of nature. Um, and Shinto is not like this religion that has like a moral code. It doesn't have scripture. Uh, oh. It doesn't have like an afterlife. But it's it's either he doesn't. He just wants to sort of avoid getting in the mud puddle of fucking with religion in naturally yeah, yeah. like i i would totally understand that or yeah, absolutely yeah or maybe he's i don't know changed his mind about the direction of that but it is Could a be, yeah. mm. you know there's there's a scene where they go to the huge tree and there's a shrine there and there's the the rope around it with the uh sheeta like hanging off of it um in and- japan there are around a hundred thousand public shrines mm. i had uh, a great one Shinto. with uh, my partner had a friend who had come in from Japan. Um, they, they were an, ex- I guess an exchange or I think, I don't know if they'd actually moved, but within like the first couple of days they were there, they're like, oh, so where's like the shrine on campus? And my partner's like, oh, there isn't one. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is Australia. We don't have shrines. We do we have, have a shrine in South Australia. We do have one. Oh, do we? Uh, that Shinto I'm aware of. Shrine. <clears throat> A yeah, a a Japanese shrine in uh, wow. in the South Gardens. Uh, for those interested who are living in South Australia, I've been meaning to visit there, there for ages. Have not done it, but <laughs> I would. <laughs> that's then cool. Wager that there must be one in Sydney. Then we've got the surely. I mean, there's the Chinese Garden of Friendship, which I visit all the damn time because that place is fucking beautiful. Very not related to Shinto, but still, um, <laughs> very fucking beautiful place. Um, yeah, so I would wager that there must be uh, some public Shinto shrines kicking around somewhere. Hmm. 
yeah, wow, it's, that's it's very a, it, enlightening, John. It's an interesting connection, and it is. It's mm. some. It's mm. like a perspective that's worth taking into mind with yeah. everything, like every piece of Japanese media, because yeah. these these beliefs are they predate written history. Like they yeah. are, they're yeah. they're pretty equivalent to the Dreamtime beliefs in Australia. Australia, they're like yeah. a smidgen more organized in that. I think there are Shinto priests. But they'll mm. normally just have their one shrine that they take care of. And that's sort of like just the deal. Um, and it's nice. It's honestly, it's nice to to have a religion. Like disorganized religion is is like there isn't some guy at the top. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, like everyone going, Pay being me cool. money and you will go to a happy place when you die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's nice. I I I am interested, is, and mm, I think there's yeah, still no I hard agree. hard point. I think I mean I, the fact that Miyazaki says that's sort of not the not the fact, not the case is probably enough that you're like, okay, sure. Um, you it's more just like the cultural connection because even people who might not consider themselves Shintoists, like it is just from what I can gather, just a very intricate uh, intrinsic part of. The Japanese way of life, yeah, um, mm. yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild. It's wild, and we'll probably when point it out Japan's, in the coming yeah, Ghibli yeah, films because yeah, we'll probably notice it the, again. Fuck it, we're gonna. There's still like four or five, I think, Ghibli films to come. So yeah, we'll definitely be probably touching on uh, Shintoism later on down the track. Uh, following Japan's defeat in World War Two, Shinto was formally separated from the state. So oh, I didn't know it was connected to the state. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah, secular state. Mm. Do we have any closing thoughts, Douglas? Uh, yeah, I'll briefly skim through my notes. Um, again, I think I talked about it earlier in the podcast, but all of the tiny things, there's a bit where the dad sends Satsuki to go and get something out of the- when they're first exploring the house, go and get something out of like the- not the garage area, but like the the- the, the area that's not f- properly connected to the house and she runs around and then she runs around the corner past the door that she's supposed to open and then she comes back and then finds yeah. the door again to open it and there's just this little bit of silence of like where you're waiting for it to cut to the next shot <laughs> of her going around the corner but then you're like oh she's back she just overshot it <laughs> just <laughs> little decisions like that like you don't need to do that but it further kind of solidifies their excitedness to be at a new place the the energy that they both have that they both bring of like they're always you know like at 110 percent all the goddamn time so excited yeah i just really love that i've already talked about it the dad is the best may follows and parrots just about everything that Sasuke does in the first in like that first act literally anything that Sasuke does she like runs and does the exact same thing and then keeps on running along behind her or she says the exact same thing and then keeps on running along and it's so fucking sweet like may looks up to satsuki so damn much and it is the way that that's portrayed in those opening sequences is yeah that's so beautiful you're just like oh yeah good good little sis good girl. <laughs> you can totally see where the girls get it from where they get that imagination where they get that kind-heartedness that compassion when you look at both the dad and the mum and their interactions and just the dad interacting with the girls, how he he always goes above and beyond. Like he he picks up May when she's she's tired and carries him carries her on his, uh, his shoulders and always uh keeps a level of 
lighthearted fun to it. Like when, after they've done their little prayer to the forest and, you know, showed their respect, he does the fucking last one's over rotten egg and he fucking starts spreading away. Like just <laughs> little things like that. You can, it's very easy to see that the apple has uh, not fallen very far from the tree, which I really like. Uh, there's a little bit where, again, where May has just come out of seeing Totoro and then they're going back in to see if they can find him again. And the dad is wearing May's little sun hat as he's, like, crawling around <laughs> through, like, all the underbrush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So fucking cute. Because <laughs> <laughs> May drops it somewhere and then the dad ends up wearing it and he's just casually wearing it. Like, not, no one addresses it. No one says anything about it. He's just wearing it. I just love that. And then I just wrote mortality and i'm assuming that that's there's a there's a sense that the kids are kind of especially in the third act they're kind of coming to grips with mortality and the the notion that we're not all gonna be here all the time and that initial thought presents such a level of fear and trauma when you realize that as a kid you're like holy fuck my mum's not gonna be here forever that's terrifying. That scares the <laughs> shit out of me. I can't. My mum is such a big part of my life at this point in my development. I can't fucking imagine her not being there. That's terrifying. I'm going to bawl my eyes out. Like, uh-huh. it's. Yeah, I just found that so interesting because May's reaction, first and foremost, is very. It, it, they both push each other away when they start to have to deal with the, uh, the concept that their mum might die. Yeah. I find that so interesting. Rather than binding together they push each other away and go they just get really kind of nasty with one another um because i think satsuki is coming out of a mind of like it's not going to happen completely denial but then may is coming at it with uh an almost trying to play you know i don't care i don't care if mom dies i'm, I'm strong i'm big girl um but she, you're fucking four years old of course you're gonna care if your damn mum dies yeah, I just found that whole back end very philosophically interesting, I think. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, that's it for me. The, uh, uh, my final big thought, animation-wise, well, you've got your cells, Doug, you've also got your backdrop. There are lots of matte paintings. Oh, the fucking paintings. watercolours. Uh, watercolours or matte? I think they're gouache. It's a little hard to oh. tell because I'm not- I don't do painting myself. I'm mm. too messy. But uh, I was just thinking because- Number one is based on a location called Sayama Hills, I believe, um, okay. which is near where they were working. Um, it's mm. technically a city, but it is in like the countryside, mm. um, mm-hmm. just sort of like equivalent of like a farming town might be yep. in Australia. Australia, um, yep. And the comparison I was making is, or sorry, the comparison I was thinking of is that it's a big thing in- um, some things like uh, movies like Your Name and Garden of Words, which are both by the same people, I think. Um, or even, I don't know, like anime like Jojo, they they will completely base their, not completely, but largely base their location matte paintings on real world locations. Uh, mm. and, you can, and you can find these things. I'm not sure if that's a ca- the case with- Sayama Hills. I think Sayama Hills also because people know that's where Totoro was based. Everyone is like just become like a tourist location. In the same way that that one spot in Persona Five has yeah. become a very uh, a hot spot. That one yeah. suburb. Yeah, uh, and everyone's like, "Fuck off! Don't take photos." All the yeah. fucking shop owners. <laughs> don't take photos. Oh, of the- I feel yeah, yeah, really yeah. bad for them. <laughs> I think we talked they about. I think we talked about that. that in a previous episode. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, so the, 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 the issue with this is because people know it's the place, there's like a cool photo. I'm like, oh, my God, the, the, the house is real. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, they built the house because people know this is the town that Totoro is. And there's like a big Totoro statue on Siam Hill. So, it's a little chicken and the egg from the kind of small amount of research that I've been able to do. But it's it's interesting. I think it looks like a lot of the locations were based off imagination. Maybe things like road layouts and farms and stuff might be. But there's also a degree to which your sort of design, your like framing of a scene, if you find a good location, that's great. You can use that location. But sometimes if you want certain things to be in certain places to sort of build on the flow of a scene or the balance of a shot, doing it off uh, imagination might be easier. So, I'm not sure. I, I I had a bit of a hard time sort of finding that out. But that was just because, like, it's like anything. It's like as soon as the movie is, like, popular enough, it's such a fucking nightmare to find anything about it without just stumbling into, like, weird fan theories and, like, here's yeah. where you should go if you're a Ghibli fan and you're in Japan. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, but the, uh, where was the painting from? Yeah. Um, yeah, where was it inspired from? I do know that Miyazaki kind of just did paintings wherever he'd go. He'd just stop mm. somewhere where he thought was pretty and he'd do a painting of it. And he had, like, a gigantic catalogue of them eventually over the years that he would just use for his films. He'd just go, oh, this looks good. Whack that on there. Animate on that. So, yeah. Mm, mm. I do know he's got a gigantic book of paintings or a catalogue of awesome. paintings somewhere that he just plucks and uses whenever he needs them, which is mm. really cool. Yeah. Well, Douglas. Jonathan, I just posted the the poster to you there. It's the same poster that shows on Letterboxd and on Wikipedia. Mm. I want you to tell me if you can notice anything that's wrong in the poster. Oh, I've seen this, Douglas. It's not the scene from the film. What the fuck is going on? Why is there a why is there this weird fucking <laughs> like combined put Satsuki and May's character design in a blender and hit liquefy <laughs> version standing next to Totoro? What the fuck? It's a little bit weird, Douglas. <laughs> Wigging me out. <laughs> and That's like Satsuki's colours, but you can't put that. Uh, nah, it's 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 too confusing for me. I don't understand. <laughs> I just noticed that, and I now cannot unsee it. It's fucking me up. Um, would you like some trivia, Jonathan? Oh, more than anything, I would love you to st- stocking so fucking distracted, Douglas. <laughs> oh, do it. Answer literally for what I was just talking about. Probably, maybe. Hayao Miyazaki originally conceived the characters Satsuki and Mei as a single girl. He wanted to add suspense to the latter half of the film, and he felt it wouldn't work with just a single girl, so he split her two her into two separate girls. The original girl had features of both Satsuki and Mei, and was seven, halfway between the ages of Satsuki and Mei. Satsuki is ten, Mei is four. Note that on the poster, there is only one girl reflecting the original idea. That's really funny. That's so weird. Boom. There you go. I really should have read that before I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you look like an idiot now, Douglas. Yeah, I look like a fucking asshole. The names of the two girls, Satsuki and May, are a play on the word May. Satsuki is an old Japanese word for May, like the month, and May is the Japanese pronunciation of the English word May. Oh, is there any like sp- like special meaning to May the month? Spring? I guess so, yeah. Don't know. In the Northern Hemisphere. Wait. Mm. Yeah, in the Northern Hemisphere. Is- Japan's in the Northern Hemisphere, right? You tell me, Northern Douglas. 
I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know Douglas? geography. I didn't, I didn't do geography very much. Uh, the film's partially autobiographical. When Hayao Miyazaki <laughs> and his brothers were children, his mother suffered from spinal tuberculosis for nine years and spent much of her time hospitalized. It is implied, yet never revealed in the film, that Satsuki and May's mother also suffers from tuberculosis. He once said the film would have been too painful for him to make if the two protagonists were boys instead of girls. Oof. Damn. Too close to home. Yeah. Too close to home, mate. Mm. And he mm. wanted a nice movie about a nice family where everything's fine and they all love each other. Yeah. 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 I like that. Create fucking create your own happy story, babe. <laughs> the forest creatures and title characters of this movie got their name when May, the little girl who first sees them in the film, mispronounces the word troll. At one point in the original Japanese language version, when Satsuki first finds May sleeping in the grove behind her house, May tells her sister she saw a Totoro. Satsuki replies, Totoro, do you mean troll from the storybook? And May nods in agreement. This aspect of the story was left out of the 1993 Fox English version, probably because the difference between Totoru, the Japanese pronunciation of troll, and Totoro would have been lost on English-speaking audiences. Uh, The quote is included in the 2006 Disney English version. Interesting. Mm. I like that, though. That's very cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. That's- I mean, that's like- the, the localization uh, yeah, the stuff where yeah, you're like yeah localization bits yeah you're like that sort of makes a lot of the time localization just serves to like fucking destroy dumb it down <laughs> yeah yeah for but that that you're like okay dumbass yeah, western audiences <laughs> it was very passionate there. I don't, I'm sorry on its original theatrical <laughs> release in Japan it was double featured with Grave of the Fireflies as the film was believed to be too big a financial risk as a standalone release. What fucking whiplash! Can you imagine watching yeah. Grave of the Fireflies and then My Neighbor Totoro? Holy shit. Yeah, wait, which that- order? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is Totoro like- the palate cleanser afterwards or is it it's like, ah, oh, uh, nice surely, movie. Surely. Now Grave of the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> I like, honestly, though, that's kind of almost, that would be credit to Studio Ghibli as a studio at showing their range. how they can do, bo- yeah, yeah, like their range and versatility of what, stories they can tell yeah fuck (laughs) the movie initially did not do well at the box office and did not break even until about two years after the release when stuffed dolls based on the king totoro character hit the shelves Uh, it's all about that much nice it's like fucking transformers it's the same goddamn thing as soon as you make it a toy Everyone's like, I think Transformers was a toy first. That's like what most of those like 90s animations were. They were just a toy that they wanted to sell more so they made animation. Idiot. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Idiot. Yeah. Dipshit. <laughs> Douglas publicly owned on Fucking podcast. Idiot. Power Rangers. There you go. That's one. Gotcha. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Checkmate. A bloody boom. <laughs> oh, a bloody boom. Outside of the Japanese Academy Awards, which historically ignored animated films until 1998's Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro won an award from every major Japanese film awards, including Best Film from both the Mainichi Film Award and Kinema Junpo, as well as the Blue Ribbons Special Award. Interesting. Sweeping them. Just fucking. Yeah. Deserved, baby. Absolutely. Some people have speculated that the name Totoro comes from the city Tokorozawa in Japan. Hayao Miyazaki grew up around here and has memories of children mispronouncing Tokorozawa as Totoro. Ah, uh, that's fun. But then I guess there's also the, yeah, the tie-in words to the word the troll. The troll thing. Mm, mm. 
The original English dub was dubbed by Troma, more infamous for their horror and horror-adjacent films, <laughs> and got distributed on videotape by 20th Century Fox in the United States. Later, in 2008, Disney got the license to most of Studio Ghibli's work and redubbed the film. Once the rights lapsed, it was uh, distributed by G-Kids and Shout Factory, who kept the Disney dub. Interesting. Imagine having the choice. <laughs> yeah. Which one do we go with? Uh, people who work with horror and horror-adjacent work? Or Disney. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think I know what I would pick, Douglas. (laughs) I got a feeling. I got a sneaky suspicion. The sequence where Mae gets lost attempting to deliver an ear of corn to her mother includes her sitting by a row of statues. In Japan, such statues represent the Bodhisattva Jizo, my apologies, the Buddhist (laughs) deity who is the protector of children. Thus, the effect Hayao Miyazaki is conveying is a subtle reassurance to the audience that May, although lost at the moment, is otherwise in no immediate danger while her sister is coming to her aid in the cat bus. Ah, that's cool. That's awesome. That's really, really sweet. Like, that. like a Went setting right over touch our heads, for- Yeah, yeah, but for like anyone who would be in the know, yeah. they would be like, oh, she's safe. She's okay. Everything, <laughs> everything is fine. Totoro actually comes from May mispronouncing uh, oh, Tororu which means troll in Japanese. This comes from a book May had read, which turns out to be the traditional Norwegian troll story, Billy Goat's Gruff, as can be seen in the end sequence, which contains her mother and the book. And if one looks closely, it is seen to have a Totoro on the cover. That's cute. (laughs) Billy Goat's Gruff. Very cute. The fucking- Actually, while we're talking about it, the epilogue made me cry. The, the, uh, this is the first film in the 250 where the credits made me cry. I like that the film knew when to stop as well. And, yeah. Mm, and there as far is, as, like, what there, happens after. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't a played out epilogue. I don't think there needs to be. It's like, everything's happy, and we we don't need to know that the mum is okay, right? Because, mm, like, mm. I'm past the point that she's, like, not actively dying, She's right? able she's like, to- Yeah, leave She's the just hospital. got a cold. Yeah. You- You- you get that and you're like, oh, okay. So the mum the the mum is like doing all right. Awesome. Okay. And and because I think of the 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 vibe of the film up to this point, you're like, everything's gonna be alright, and you don't need it spelled out to you. And I like yeah. that the epilogue has that as well, but in just a little sorry, the credits rather have that little epilogue feel. But just it was also yeah. yeah, within its own uh within the whole situation it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, the the fucking just that it's either the first or the second one where the mum's leaving the the taxi and the girls are running towards her. Oh, yeah, that got me. I was like, no, nope, game over for me. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> fucking, you got me, Miyazaki. You bitch. Um, just last little bit of trivia that I thought was worth noting because it's relatively poignant for the time at the time of recording. Mm-hmm. Um, in about three weeks' time. At the Barbican Theatre in London, My Neighbour Totoro will be staged from October 8th through to January 21st, 2023. They are doing a live stage adaptation of My Neighbour Totoro with the cat bus included. They are doing the cat bus and they're going to make him fly. They're doing Totoro and it, they're having Joe Hazaishi, uh do all the compositions and everything and actually, like, yeah, compose and do it. Wow, okay. I'm keen to There's a see lot some of illegally recorded this. clips of this yeah, production. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I know they were looking at doing Spirited Away as well, I think, as a, mm. a live adaptation. So maybe this is like the first one that they're looking at doing. But looking at the cast or the uh, the creative team, sorry, the creative crew behind the actual project, there's a lot of money behind this. Mm. And it's being put under the Royal Shakespeare Company's name. 
Wow. Which, okay. like, Royal Shakespeare Company put out some fucking amazing pieces of stage work, mm. production. Uh, the last Royal Shakespeare Company thing I saw was Coriolanus, I'm pretty sure. Um, amazing play, if you ever get to see it. Uh, very, very wordy, very lofty, lots of things going on, but very interesting character study, as are all of Shakespeare's stuff. But anyway, we already talked a lot about Shakespeare in last week's episode, so I'm going to shut the fuck up about that now. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought that that was really cool. That, like, yeah, that literally cool. three weeks away from us- uh, Good timing. Recording this, yeah, there's a fucking stage adaptation of My Neighbor Totoro. That's yeah. hectic. I had this thought and I, I wrote it down and I forgot to say it while we were in the, the podcast proper, but I, I, I got this- I got this feeling because the fucking movies we've had recently, most of them haven't been that bad. But but you compare it to this. I I, I thought to myself. I said I feel I feel like this podcast is like a record of like two people's uh, experience, like fighting through an unrelenting tide of depressive wankery, and now we're <laughs> out the other side in the in the eyes glowing out in the sun, bright we and starry eyed. Two Ghiblies in three weeks. We again, yep. we're back on animated films. But yeah, we're back. I think we've got some comedies coming up, Douglas. We imagine, do. We do. Imagine. A comedy in the two fifty. Imagine. That's in the, it. I'm like, not looking in the forward to actual two fifty as well. Like not a bonus, but like yeah. actually comedy. Yeah. The comedy movies are fucking hard to do episodes on, but I'm glad that we're doing it. And yeah, not critiquing comedy visible. is a bit difficult. But it's very, it's very we'll tough. It's, it's, it's. It Fuck, we've like got a, the Holy Grail coming up as well before we round out the year. Eye-opening so. experience. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the 250 podcast. Um, uh, I've got- I'm outro the podcast, dickhead. I'm finding the link to close the document. <laughs> Did you, do you close- What the fuck is wrong with you? I hit it. I just moved it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the 250 Podcast. This is the end of the podcast. This is the conclusion end of the podcast. That bit that I fucked up before, Douglas, please edit it out. Because it won't be funny if you leave it in. Uh, you talking we- about editing it out in the middle of leave the, the ed- outro. Leave this bit. Leave this bit. <sighs> leave this bit. Because this is funny to talk about you editing it uh- out. But leaving in the bad bit is not funny, Douglas. <laughs> this is called banter. This is why we're so popular. So incredibly popular. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of 250 Podcast, we put new episodes out every week. Tuesday midnight, Australian Easter Standard Time. It comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Douglas, where can people go for more info on the podcast? If you want some more info on the podcast, you can open up your favorite web browser and type in www.250.com. That's T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H.com. We've got a uh, on the main page there, there's the list of films that we took back in January of 2020 of the INDB Top 250 list and we'll be using for the remainder of the podcast. So if there's any films there that you've had a look at and you're like, oh, I wouldn't mind hearing the boys' opinions on that, you can squeeze and they'll sort you the fuck out. And then there's a link to listen to the podcast on there. There's a link to send us an email if you want to drop in our bloody inbox. And there's a link to check out our Instagram, which is a very easy way if you want to follow us on there. It's a very easy way to keep tabs on what is happening in all things uh, 250, what's coming out that week, um, what's coming out. We Jonathan does little uh, snapshots of like three weeks of like what's happening. Um, yeah, just a good way to keep in touch. And uh, we don't have too many followers on Instagram, so it's a blaze. It's not overly Instagram. It's a, <laughs> John, John puts a lot of fucking work into it. And Douglas, you're sounding so need, desperate. You don't want to, you don't want to need, sound desperate. 
Jonathan, I want Jonathan to be rewarded for his goddamn work. So I fucking- don't. Well, that's very nice of you, Douglas. Get um, on it. If you want Douglas to be rewarded for his work, you can check out Letterboxd, which is a uh, movie tracking and reviewing website that we are great big fans of. My account on Letterboxd is Upa, that is U-U-U-P-A-H, and Douglas. My account is Ianzo Knight, I-E-N-Z-O-K-N-I-G-H-T, Ianzo Knight. You can look up Upa, Ianzo Knight, or 250 in Letterbox search engine and you'll find us. We do written reviews of all the films that we talk about here on the 250, as well as anything else that we watch in our spare time. In my spare time, I have watched half of Prey. <laughs> okay. You know that, you know the Predator film, the new yeah, Predator yeah, film that Prey. came out with the, the all Native American cast? Watched half of it. Don't have any concrete thoughts on it just yet. We'll let you know in the fullness of time. Have you watched anything, Jonathan? Douglas, I watched last night. It was, it's like 9.30pm. Oh. It's like 10pm. Oh. I'm I'm leaving this climbing competition that I've just been at. <laughs> I am, a friend of mine messages me. is like, do you want to hang out? And I'm like, fucking absolutely. <laughs> I go to his house. We watch yep. White House Down, a 2013 film, Jamie Foxx, Channing Tatum, one of those super patriotic American movies. It's basically oh, Olympus yeah. Has Fallen. Yeah, yeah. It is actually- oh? It's not very uh, uh, good, but it's very enjoyable. Oh, okay. It's got some of the shittest CGI I've seen in like a big budget film in a long time. Like, I've talked about this before, how- from Olympus my Fallen understanding- Olympus Fallen and White House Down came out the same year. Yeah, exactly. That's fucked up. That's so weird. There's a, there's a phenomena for that, I think. I forget what yeah. it's called, but it's where, like, yeah. one film follows another film, but, like, they're completely separate. Like, it's not yeah, they both come intentional out. that they're- Same, same yeah. idea comes up at the same time. I think, I think yeah. it more or less comes down to just, like, the human ability to recognize coincidence. Because when yeah. two mm. films that are very similar come out in separate years, you- you don't go, oh, that's weird. You're like, okay, well, clearly it's two different films. Whereas, like, it's like this is a bit odd. Anyway. Um, Sorry. Yes, go ahead. That's all right. It's it's just a big idiot anima- uh, animation, big idiot action film um, where everyone just sucks off the United States of America um, <laughs> as a concept. Um, they blow up the White House, obviously. You got the because- right to bear arms and the right to arm bears, whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, from my understanding, hard body animation, hard body CGI, not like that, Douglas. Like metal <laughs> objects, you pervert. <laughs> Is basically, and obviously this was ten. Hard body. <laughs> this is ten years ago, but it's basically yeah. like a solved problem. You know, we can animate yes. metallic objects and solid objects in extremely convincing manner. With a very, uh, yeah, yeah, a very good deal of competency. Not yeah. in White House Down. The other trick Ooh. is that every time they have an exterior shot, everything's a little too saturated and a little too bright. Your brain is immediately like soundstage straight away without without yeah, like, soundstage. Yeah. That's yeah. soundstage. I yeah. don't believe this for a second. That is the soundstage. <laughs> Lighting design is so important in soundstages. Like to, yeah. to to get. I was watching a. Oh, I hate this. I was watching a TikTok where a guy was doing <laughs> like a professional lighting designer guy was like walking through how he like lights a shot. Yeah. And a the amount of lights that they have to use just to get one effect. Holy shit! And then mm. b the placement of the lights is so fucking strategic. Like, he was talking about how 
you get the effect of a street light through a window. Mm. And they initially placed the light uh, parallel to the window, but then it didn't look real because, like, a street light's up high, right? Like, the, the light wouldn't shine directly yeah. horizontally through the window. It would go, the, the street light's higher, it would go, like, kind of uh, diagonally through the window. And then he like he's like, it kind of works, but we need a little bit more. So he whacks in another light, and then, like, that adds to it. And then he's like, I also got to light the subject. So he put another light in there just to get, like, a little bit of a light on their jawline. And I'm like, fuck, man. The amount, when, when you're really getting that nitty-gritty with it, and you're really paying that much attention to lighting design, fuck me dead, man. The amount of work <laughs> that must go into that. Like, it's a, it's the crazy thing with like theater for theater, like film and and all this kind of art is that we we always think about actors. We think about actors first, and then we think about directors. And as if all the other production roles aren't incredibly complicated and require an immense amount of talent. Like, yeah. it's crazy. It's so mm. insane. They're different skill sets, obviously, but they're just like something else. To be able yeah. to do that right. Anyway, yeah, yeah, White House down. I said this to my friend. I'm like, this obviously looks like shit. I think it had like <laughs> a 6.5 on Netflix or something, you know. But like, this yeah. looks like crap. But it's an action movie. So, Absolutely. worse to worse, it'll be dumb, idiot, bright colors with like bad writing and 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 an unconvincing plot, which it more yeah. or less had. It wasn't terrible. I've seen much worse shit. Um, it's like it's like Die Hard. It's like Die it's Hard. It's directed and by the same guy Day. who did that twenty. It's the same guy who directed Independence Day first and foremost. Yeah, it's Roland Emmerich. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's uh, also the same guy that directed Twenty Twelve. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. <laughs> Ten years he, on, never forget Twenty Twelve. <laughs> he loves his um Doomsday uh, kind of Doomsday movies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it was wow. fine. It Good was honestly it. fine. It was it was a fun thing to watch. It was not a good movie, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a masterpiece a movie, of writing. nonetheless. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm also thinking, uh, while we're talking about media, Douglas, number mm-hmm. one, we should watch your name. That movie is great. I don't think <gasps> it's on the list. Is it on the not- list? Wait. No, it is. I I don't- oh, is it? Yep. Well, then we won't insert it. Yep, it's It'll- number 74. Okay, good. It's okay, right it after American Beauty. <laughs> that film that film is fucking incredible. Uh, yeah. Ugh. And I can't also- wait to cry all over again. I've watched that film three <laughs> times. And I can't wait to cry yeah. again. Um, and, and I know I've talked about this before uh, on the podcast, but whenever we talk about animation, in mm. anime specifically- I, I I gotta talk about my fa- favorite anime of all time. Keep your hands off Izoken. It is that is E I Z O U K E N. It is a it is an anime about animation. Let on that anime. Mm. Uh, but it it uses uh, it fairly naturally brings in all these different concepts like. Um, you know, how you animate a rotating object and then and then it like but it does this in like a supernatural way because this main character is just like these two main animators, they love looking at the real world and and seeing how things work. Um uh and but then there'll also be like animation uh, concepts about animation like tweening or or things just like how do you mm. manage an anime studio, you know? Mm. Uh, and it is and it is beautiful and it made me cry the first time I watched it um and, on and uh, fucking no one else has watched it and i'm gonna scream um, all right well don't worry babe i'm on it 
<laughs> uh, but I, you just reminded me, uh, there's already one anime that I'm also trying to put away as quickly as I can. Uh, the Cyberpunk anime oh, that yeah. released on Netflix, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is probably one of the most dumbass names that I've ever heard of for an anime, and I completely dismissed it. But then I realized it was animated by Studio Trigger. Yeah, baby. And that was the game changer for me. First fucking episode, it is so bleedingly obvious that it's animated by the same fucking minds behind Killer Kill. Just like some of the shots, I was like, yep, that's Killer Kill right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed the first episode. So I'll come back to you on that one as well on further thoughts. But uh, well, maybe I will- uh... Initial premise. Yeah, I would highly recommend checking it out because it is set within Night City. It's set within the Cyberpunk 2077 universe, but mm. there's no Johnny Silverhand. There's no- It's not related to the video game story, but it does have CD Projekt Red's blessing, and they were a part of creating the actual story for it. So yeah. mm, it, does, it does give me hope for the game as well, that they, CD Projekt Red are actually keen on telling some very cool stories within the Cyberpunk 2077 universe. So Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's like, well, actually, it's funny that CDPR was um, considered for that because they don't own the IP. They have rights to the IP, but it's- a, Correct. Yeah. It's an old tabletop RPG game. Uh, mm-hmm. I will probably check that out as well, especially if it's only just coming out. It's much easier to keep, yeah, it, keep yeah, track yeah, of yeah. these the if first, they're like actively coming out. first season came out as a whole. It's 10 episodes. Every episode is 20 minutes. So. Oh, the whole thing came out? Yep. Damn it. Fucking binge media. Oh, well. Um, yeah, right. I'll probably watch it anyway. It's only 10 episodes. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's- This has been a thoughts. drastically fucking long episode of the 250. Holy shit. Yeah. This is like one of the shortest films we've had in a while, but we had so much shit to say. I so. was terrified this would be another like 40 minute episode. We'd be like, very good film. See you later. Yeah, fucking yeah. Fucking Prank Patrol. It's like twice that. So- Yeah, well- All right. Well, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the 250. Um- We'll catch you next week. It's not a Ghibli film, but the one after will be. So if you did want, if you want a more Ghibli in your life, skip next week and then come. Well, You're I mean, uh, don't skip next week. Come back next week. But uh, if you're specifically looking for Ghibli, House Moving Castle is in two weeks. Oh, fuck, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I'm so, so fucking happy that we're through one of those big drama blocks. Oh. Yeah. Fuck we're me. We're out the other end, Jonathan. Oh, is it the sunny? It's the sunny sky. The sun is on my face, Douglas. <laughs> I'm surrounded by um, things that are made to be enjoyable rather than made to. Don't. Here's don't something look. to piss on your parade next week The Great Escape, two hours and 52 minutes of Allied prisoners in a German war camp during World War II. I feel Fuck like. You, the- Jonathan. <laughs> The Great Escape has a level of positivity to it that I think is fine. <laughs> also, I think it's an adventure film, so I think we should be relatively okay. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. fuck uh, it. We'll find out next week. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> There's a guy called Tunnel King in it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da.